Hey everyone, welcome back to the Whiskey Raiders podcast. It is Jay, better known as TakeFromWhiskeyRaiders.com as always. It has been a bit of a hiatus. We've, uh, we haven't been on the air for a couple of weeks, but I promise that means we have not stopped drinking whiskey. That would uh, simply be unlike us. And speaking of us, I'm joined here by John from TheBourbonFinder.com. John is my co-host and good friend, and we have some serious whiskey talk about tonight. So uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and dive on in. In this episode, we're talking about Chicken Cox Double Oak 8-Year uh, Kentucky Whiskey. We're going to catch up on some stuff as well. And uh, How you doing, John? I'm doing well, man. I'm excited to dig into some whiskey with you. We've been doing a lot of independent whiskeying lately, sharing thoughts and sharing notes back and forth, but it's not quite the same as when we get to sit down in the studio and really dig in, which by the way, I am currently digging in just so you know. <laughs> well, it's good that even though we have been apart, we are on brand. Uh, that's important. I uh, I have my bottle open, but not yet poured. So I guess that's probably a, a good time to go ahead and do that now. This is an interesting, you know, it's not often that we have a new chicken cock product on the desk. This one's eight years old, which is pretty kind of interesting as well. Um, I'm gearing up for my first sips, but what uh, what what do we know about this release so far? So, okay, specifically on this release, like the press info that we have on this spoke a little bit initially about the growth of Double Oak Whiskey and how much more popular it is than the standard whiskey category, like 18% or something, whereas the standard category is in the neighborhood of 1%. So I thought that that was a little bit interesting that they dug into the market so deep to see like, okay, where is there a little bit more room to grow? And they chose that. So in so doing, they also decided they were going to hand select the wood that they would use for the finishing barrels. So selecting the exact oak they wanted to put these into, I think, I'm sure was the idea behind it was to give them the exact product they wanted. Uh, what that will end up giving for a result will be up to the consumer, obviously. But we're talking about an eight-year age dated, uh, well, I guess I was going to say bourbon, but it says Kentucky whiskey. I guess we can't specifically name it as bourbon here. But it's a SRP of $99.99. You can find it right online, right through their website. And it's I think fairly available, which is sometimes tough with a lot of their products. They kind of pop up and even if you want to try them, they might not be in your market or they're a little bit harder to get your hands on because of limited amounts produced. I think this one might be a little bit easier for people. So I think this one will probably be spreading out a bit like wildfire. That's a, that's a pretty fair synopsis, I would say. It is interesting, like you mentioned, yeah, this is a Kentucky whiskey um, it doesn't, you know, even if it meets the criteria to be a bourbon, it doesn't have to be labeled a bourbon, but brands do typically like to take advantage of the consumer, uh, perception and recognition of the bourbon category. Um, sure. I want to say, you know, at, at a hundred bucks for an eight year release, it's kind of interesting that they don't have that. So I'm going to go ahead and just kind of suspect that there is something in here keeping this from being a bourbon Anyways, and it's not the double oaking, right? Like if you double oak a bourbon, you can still call it a, a double oaked bourbon or, you know, a bourbon finished in a second oak cask. Exactly. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's uh, interesting. I mean, this has their cool old school bottle. You know, that's something I always appreciate the brand. This has that same bottle that their limited editions come in rather than that kind of wire fence pattern that the regular bottlings come in. But I've got mine poured here. It's 92 proof, 46% ABV. It should be nothing if not flavorful and, and easy drinking, hopefully. Uh, are you picking up anything on it yet? Yeah, I wanted to, I mean, I'm, I've been tasting through this a little bit already, but I wanted to drill back into some of the press info a little bit more as you get a couple of sips in and as you get your first impressions there. 
Uh, this yeah. was actually Kentucky whiskey that was aged in used barrels, and then it was okay. transferred into new barrels afterwards, which I guess is sort of the opposite of what I would have expected. But I think that's why it's going to be lacking that bourbon designation, obviously, because it wasn't initially aged in new chard oak. Yep. I mean, used cooperage definitely means that it cannot be bourbon. So uh, refresher for those in home, 51% corn, new charred oak barrels, and a number of other, you know, kind of classifications there to become bourbon. Like the, you know, you can't distill beyond, I think it's 165, can't go in the barrel over 125. You know, that's all kind of the alphabet soup that goes behind the bourbon designation. But yeah, so if this was used oak, definitely not a bourbon whiskey. Um, as far as an, a chicken cock, uh, you know, kind of new product goes a hundred bucks for an eight year old whiskey is not the, you know, is not the highest end of the pricing we've seen from them. But I am curious to see this is, uh, if you guys are listening, it's hard for you to see visually the color it is, it, you know, it's not light, um, but it's not super dark. It definitely doesn't look over oaked or just like completely bludgeoned with color. So this right. should be pretty interesting. Yeah, I think that's probably going to be due to that used cooperage for the first seven years of aging. Um, but overall, though, as I start digging into this, I kind of felt that the nose was fairly on brand for, I don't want to say any double oak product, but something that has like a little bit of that extra kind of pop to it, a little mm -hmm. bit darker, a little bit more of like the uh, chocolate covered cherry kind of nose to it, which really so far actually hasn't turned me away. It doesn't have the like artificial smoke or marshmallow or some of the other like overly sweet tones that I sometimes get from some of these like uh like Old Force in 1910 that right off the nose I could tell them like it's just gonna be a little sweet for me. This doesn't drive me away with any of that right off the bat. So like on the nose itself, I'm not too I'm not too scared so far. Yeah, I have to agree with you. On the nose, it for me there's a lot of like pineapple and passion fruit and honey and mango. Like it is lighter, sweeter, fruitier, kind of more estery and 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 sweet and and kind of that regard there's not a lot of baking spice or oak or bitterness or coffee or anything like that um i do agree in that this doesn't have kind of that double oak toast note that i also don't like like this doesn't remind me of like aluminum or splenda or any of those kind of weird off flavors that we sometimes get uh, this just tastes like a, a light fruity whiskey that maybe has an extra touch of oak on it from the palate of what i'm tasting so far i've only had a sip but i don't I, I have to say I'm surprised, but I don't mind that it's 92 proof. Like it does feel like it has pretty good quantity of flavor and it seems like it's plenty rich on the palate for 92 proof, which uh, kind of surprised me. You know, the, I think a surprising thing about that for me is that I had totally forgotten the proof point. I was just sipping this and tasting it and hadn't it like sometimes with some of these, especially things under a hundred it may come through and strike this itch in my mind like, man, I just wish that that had a little bit more guts to it or just, <laughs> you know, a little more oomph behind it. And this actually, it, I wasn't feeling like that at all with this. So yeah, you're right. Like the, you know, and this is uh, somewhat subjectively here, the lower proof, I, I guess we could call this, is yeah. not really a turnoff here. Um, it does kind of beg the question a little bit on the pricing, I feel like for eight years at 92 proof, a hundred bucks, is starting to get into the realm where I'm going to be like, is this really how I want to spend a hundred bucks? It's that's a little bit, that's a, a tough spot for me to be in, you know, where I am, I'm a ball bag. I don't want to spend anything over 75 <laughs> bucks unless it's a product that I know for sure it's got a damn good reason to be there. And I look at things like bookers that have over the years continually gone up over my $75 price point. And I'm like, if I can't buy bookers, 
at over 75 bucks. I have a tough time sometimes with certain things that are in the same realm. So this one here, flavor-wise, I dig it. Nose, I dig it. Price, I'm a little scared of. Yeah, I I can totally see that. I think that there is some precedent in the fact that like no one has ever accused a chicken cock whiskey product of being a great value and no sure. disrespect to the brand um, no, for no, that. No. Like they are clearly going for the, hey, you know, that's a little bit pricey and therefore I hope it's probably good. Get that kind of consumer mindset and it's a totally valid approach to branding that many brands do. I have to say, and it does take a bourbon enthusiast, I think, to be like, okay, it's a hundred bucks, but it's eight years old, which is exactly what I said before we started this episode. I was like, oh, hey, man, like it's eight years though. Like, so we're getting close. And then we both at the same time were like, wait a second, it doesn't say bourbon on it though. And, and typically there is a stigma that American whiskeys are much less expensive, unless your name is Old Carter, than other, you know, th- than a bourbon whiskey of the same age. But at the same time, if you have to go out and get a new fresh charred oak barrel, like those are definitely not free. And if anything, there's more of a shortage of those types of barrels than there's ever been before. It's hard for small producers to get charred oak barrels that haven't been used before. So I, you know, I'm not saying the price is justified, but I can understand why it's high. And some of that is the identity of chicken cock whiskey. And the other part is that this is expensive to make. But for I think a hundred bucks or more. While this is easy drinking for the proof, I would love to water it down for myself when I want it to be a little bit lower and have that extra ethanol. So if this was at like 115 or 120 or even barrel proof, I think that that would be really cool. Um, and not to ramble on, but I do, like you pointed out, like as I drink this though, that I'm not thinking about proof whatsoever. And that reminds me a lot of how I drink scotch. It's just like I have a bottle of scotch, I open the bottle of scotch and I pour it in my glass and I go off and drink it. And a lot of those things are usually like, 46 or 48 or 50 percent and they just like have so much character and are so easy to drink and flavorful and fun at those proofs that i don't think they're missing anything yeah that's a good point i think this does definitely fall into that category i mean flavor wise i dig this it does have some good layers of fruit for me it's more like a dark cherry you know it's much more in the realm of berry or stone fruits even and mixing in there might be a little bit of like this uh not quite dark chocolate vibe, but a little bit of like chocolateness to it that I'm kind of liking. And it has a little bit of a toasty element in the background, you know, a nice heavy caramel going on. It's not like incredibly complex in my opinion, but it's like, there's really, I'd have a hard time beating this one up to be honest with you. I mean, of the, I mean, even crazier that it's not actually a bourbon, but of the double barrel or double oak type of products that we go through here, it's pretty rare that one of them comes through here that I say, you know what? I fucking like that one. And that's kind of where I land with this. So I guess that's a pretty good win in and of itself. And like you mentioned, not to uh, beat up on any brands or anything, because, you know, really, ideally, like, we just want to be able to talk about whiskey sort of no strings attached. And it's not about beating up on brands or picking who's better than who or anything like that. But, I mean, Chicken Cock puts together nice packaging. The bottles always look cool, but they always sit there at a fairly high price. So if you're ready for that, I would say at least try it out. You get a pour of this someplace and give it a whirl because it is kind of cool and unique in that aspect. For sure. And honestly, if you've enjoyed their other products, there is no reason that you won't enjoy this either. Like I do notice that their bourbons always have this kind of lighter profile, this more tropical fruit, you know, going away from things like big oak, pepper, baking spice, like bitter, bold flavors and going more for approachable sweetness and butterscotch and toffee and fruitiness. So this is a really on-brand 
release for them and it tastes like it and i and i do like i'm actually surprised at how much i enjoy this and i think that this actually kind of brings up an interesting topic and the fact that like people are starting to allege that like the whiskey industry is getting tired of finished whiskey right and usually by that they mean like a young whiskey finished in a wine barrel or something but if you're finishing a whiskey in a new oak cask like that's still finishing the same like his is this a new level of innovation in coming back or are people you know, like, is are people really truly tired of finished whiskeys? If we're going to see more double oak stuff, or like people who complain about finished whiskeys but then forget that 1910 is a finished whiskey and it's been around for years and it's definitely not going to go anywhere. And for me, this is better than 1910 in my opinion. So it's it's kind of you know it's more expensive. I probably wouldn't pay for it. Thankfully, you know, Chicken Cock did send us the sample. They didn't pay us for the review. They didn't ask that it be in a podcast. They don't get to listen to it before this goes out to the air, but we didn't have to pay for it. So the the price element is kind of out there. But in a world where 1910 has been around forever and is not going anywhere, like are people truly tired of finished whiskey? Because that's it seems like that's that's gonna be here to stay. Yeah, I don't think that ship has totally sailed yet. And if uh if nothing else is really gonna speak volumes about that, it would be that chicken cock is taking the time and doing the math to look at this and say, like, of the growing whiskey categories, this is a huge one. So this is where we want to focus our efforts and release our next bottle. And if that's what they're looking to do with it, I gotta, I just gotta believe that we, uh, we're, we're not done seeing these come out. Which I mean, y- you and I know we see a lot of products come through to uh, hit the review desk, and I feel like a staggering number of them is in some way finished. And like you mentioned too, like sometimes it's easy to forget like what a finished whiskey may or may not be like your Maker's Mark 46, for example, or any Maker's Private Select. Like these are all finished whiskeys that are just not necessarily marketed the same way. There's a lot of different things out there that we sort of uh, just, you know, get like a glancing blow and just say, ah, whatever. It's not really that thing that I don't like. But like if you want to get specific about it, it, it is still that thing. So yeah, I'm probably also guilty of complaining a little bit about finished whiskeys, but that's more about certain brands approaches i think than it is about the whiskey itself that's fair and and ultimately you know not to to go too deep into it but it does feel like this extra oaking really brought out a new flavor i would have loved to try the kentucky whiskey before it was finished like it would have been a cool experiment like i i do feel like this didn't add too much oak which is always a concern of mine but True. you know for a nice lighter fruitier easier to drink but still like fully you know kind of complex whiskey this is this is pretty delicious stuff. And and honestly, it's got a little screw on shot glass on the top. And and really, can you pay for that or is that priceless? Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't really considered the the uh aluminum jigger top there that they put on there. It is pretty it, cool to have that. I mean, it makes it makes drinking anywhere you are very convenient. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you could always just drink out of the bottle like a savage or you could use the fancy little aluminum top that comes right on there and you could look like you know what you're doing. Right. I mean, it, not every whiskey is deserving of the seagrass treatment, which is like bottle plus straw equals good time. Sure. Uh, so, you know, it, and it, it does, it just looks like it's kind of dumb. Like this thing obviously costs like 19 cents on the open market, but the way it attaches to the bottle, it they did a good job with branding this. Whether you like it or hate it, I would encourage people, if you're not a, a chicken cock fan already, try this at a bar. Go give it a look. And if you like it, this is this is a nice sleeper pour, hopefully, that will surprise some folks. And if you don't like it, uh, cool. There are tons of other double oaked whiskeys out there. <laughs> yeah, try their rye too. Their rye is pretty, pretty nice, even though it's uh, a young age. 
Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the the going rate on their their general portfolios that it's good, but it's young and we'll yeah. see if it gets older. But overall, you know, I, I like this. I think it works totally fine. I don't know if I would give this my usual curiosity with cocktails. Like 92 proof is a little tough because I do like bigger, bolder whiskey cocktails. Like I think the bitters in an old fashioned would probably overwhelm this, but at the same time, it's warm weather and this would do fine on ice and just kind of kick back in the hammock. And uh, I have no shame in that regard either. Yeah, this is good hammock whiskey. I can see that. I like your style. Maybe we uh, create a new category on Raiders called hammock whiskey. Shit, yeah. I like the way that's... You know, we're just solving a lot of the world's problems here tonight. Right. Problems, yeah, dealt with entirely by the first world countries. But if you uh, if you want good summer whiskey, this is definitely it. And I think that this is probably a good place to cut the episode for now. John and I are getting back into the swing, back off of the road We've been on the road for a couple weeks now, but hopefully, uh, you know, I think now that summer's here, I like to stay in place. You're not, you're not going too many crazy places. No, I hate going places. Right. Going places is your least favorite thing, but thankfully guys, we both live in different places online. So if you're looking for more from whiskey content from John or I, you can find John at the bourbon finder, uh, com. As always, I am Take, better known as Jay, over at WhiskeyRaiders.com. You can find our news and reviews there as well. And together, we are the Whiskey Raiders podcast. So thank you for having us back. It is good to be back, and we look forward to a new season of episodes coming forward. And we will catch you in the next one. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers.